You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Today I'm going, we're in the uh, That'll Preach series, and uh, that's a movie series, because you know when you're watching a movie, well at least if you're a pastor, you're like, that'll preach, that'll preach, that'll preach. And so uh, my only issue this week preparing was there was so much information, I had to try to like whittle it down to a few a few thoughts because I wanted to preach on the whole Rocky series. How many people have seen every Rocky and Creed, Creed one and two and Rocky? Thank you, thank you. I'm telling my wife that everybody's seen it and she's like, I haven't seen it. She didn't know anything about any of this stuff. I mean, she knew of it and everything. And so she told me I need to explain it a little bit before we get started, so I will. So first of all, it's the best series of all time. Rocky one to six and then Creed one and two. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. And what you find is in Rocky 1 and 2, Rocky fights Apollo Creed, who is the champion of the world. And, uh, and then in Rocky 3, Apollo trains Rocky, and he beats Mr. T, Clever Lang. And then uh, in Rocky 4, Apollo Creed gets killed by the big Russian, Ivan Drago, from Russia. And so then in, and then it goes on and there's a couple more Rockies and then there's Creed 1 and 2. Creed 1 and 2 are all about Apollo Creed who died's son, who he never knew because he died before he was born. And so that's kind of the backdrop of what's happening and then Rocky becomes Adonis Creed, which is Apollo's son's like trainer. And so you'll kind of you'll see, does that make sense? Is everybody following me right here? Okay, so the title of my message is The Blood of a Champion. The blood of a champion. The blood of a champion. So we're going to kick it off with the first movie clip. I got three clips for you today. And I'm already going to warn you, you're going to want to watch the whole movie, but we're going to have to stop it. But uh, check out the first clip. He's right over here. We had to separate him. He was fighting with the other inmates. Hey, Donnie. Your father was a great man to me. I don't know him. I ain't got nothing to do with me. Well, I think you could be great, too. So what made you want to fight? My pop was a fighter. Died before I was born. Bounced around foster care, in and out of juvie. I've been fighting my whole life. It's not a choice for me. You see this guy here staring back at you? That's your toughest opponent. Who's next? I believe that's true in the ring, and I think that's true in life. That's the trailer for the first Creed, and, uh, and we find that Adonis, who is uh, Michael B. Jordan, uh, Adonis, his last name in this film is Johnson. He's soon to become Adonis Creed, but he starts out as Adonis Johnson. And uh, you heard the, 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 the trailer. He started out in his life. And he was, a, he was a fighter. He was fighting in juvie. He was in foster care. Really similar to my background, actually, growing up. Just kidding. Just kidding. My parents have been married for 53 years. Um, so so he's, he's fighting in juvie, and he's in and out of, of jail. And he doesn't know who his father is because his father died before he was born. So he's confused on who he is, but he's a fighter. The very first scene of the movie, he's fighting in juvenile hall, and he's just a kid. He's a fighter. He knows he's a fighter. He doesn't know why he's a fighter necessarily. He just knows... He's a fighter, so much so that he, his identity is, is, is that he's a fighter. His identity is the same as who he is, 
which we know isn't, isn't the case. You are not what you do. You are who you be. You are who you be. But so many of us take on the identity of what we do as who we are, when that's not who you are. That's not who God's called you to be. You aren't what you do. I found this a lot when I was playing pro baseball. We had guys that would retire or they would get hurt, and because their whole identity was wrapped up in what they did as an athlete in front of people getting all the glory, all of a sudden now they're in the shadows, and they didn't know what to do with themselves because everything in them was what they did was who they were, and that was their whole identity. And we're so great at, at setting goals on what we want to do, but we're not so good at setting goals on who we want to be. Let's imagine if we set goals on who we actually wanted to be. What kind of person do we want to be? Let's imagine if we went on a journey to actually discover our bloodline, which is my first point. Adonis Johnson didn't know, he didn't know his bloodline. He was confused. He took his mom's last name, not his dad's last name. So he was confused on who he was. And you'll never accomplish all of what you're called to do unless you know who you are. And you'll never know who you are unless you know who your father is. Jesus came to Simon Peter. You remember this in the, in the New Testament. He came to Simon, and he said, Simon, who do, who do they say that I am? And Simon says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And remember, Jesus says, if you know me, you know my father. And so Simon recognizes his father in Jesus. He discovered his bloodline in, in Jesus. And so because he did that, Jesus then said, okay, Simon, now that you know who I am, I'm going to tell you who you are. You are not Simon the Reed tossed to and fro. You are Peter the Rock. And on this revelation, I am going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, what he was saying is, Simon, I have an assignment for you, but you can't accomplish it being a reed tossed to and fro. I need you to be the rock. And now that you know who I am, I'm going to tell you who you are. What you do is not who you are. And you need to discover your bloodline to find out exactly who you are. So now Rocky comes and he starts to mentor Adonis. I like that because Adonis sought out mentorship. He sought out discipleship. So, so Rocky comes in, and you need to understand, Rocky is kind of like the Holy Ghost. He like, he's the helper. He, he drops nuggets. He empowers. He's, he's, he's the Holy Ghost in this, in this movie. So he comes to Adonis. He says, your father was a great man. So he starts to unpack who Apollo Creed was to his son so that he could start to discover his bloodline. And Adonis says, I don't know him. You saw it in the, in, the, in the clip. I don't know him. He's no father to me. He was angry, as you can understand, because he grew up in a, you know, with his mom without his dad. So he was angry at his dad. And he blamed things on his dad. He blamed uh, his dad for his lifestyle, for the fact that he was in juvie, that he grew up with a single mom. He blamed him, even though it wasn't his father's fault. It was the big Russian's fault from Russia, Ivan Drago. But he was blaming him. So often we as Christians, when our life doesn't go right, we blame God. When it's not his fault. But we blame him so then we reject him and we deny our bloodline. And so we don't receive the favor, the favor of God. But then Rocky comes and he says this to, to Adonis. He says, you know what? You could be great too. You could be great too. And I think that was the thing that shifted everything about Adonis. He realized who his bloodline was and that he could be like him. And, and you never know what one little line like that can do to somebody. I know it works because the reason I'm standing up here right now is because 16 years ago, Pastor Jurgen said, you've got to touch a God on your life. I didn't even know what that meant. But I received it as a seed, and it began to grow on the inside of me, and I became a pastor. I never wanted to be in ministry. I never even thought about ministry. But because he said one word to me, 
And I received that word. I'll never forget it. We were at trophies in UTC. You got a touch of God on your life. And it was like, what is that? And 17 years later, here I am. So you have, you have Adonis, and he knew his dad was a fighter. He realized that, and he started to discover his, his bloodline, but he denied his bloodline because he blamed his father for how he was doing. He knew he was a fighter, but he didn't know what his future held. What I love about Jesus is at the age of 12, he knew who he was, not what he was supposed to do. He knew who he was. He comes in, remember his parents lose him, and they come back after three days, and they find him, and he's at the, at the steps of the temple, and they say, oh my gosh, we thought we lost you. And he says, he, and he said to them in Luke 2, 49, why did you seek me? Did you not know I must be about my father's business? He knew who he was. I don't think he knew how it was gonna play out at that point. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. He's only 12, the Bible doesn't say. But he knew who he was. He knew who, what he was called to do or who he was called to be. He knew what his bloodline was. So the Bible says he grew in wisdom, favor, and stature with God and with man. Where Adonis rejected his bloodline, Jesus discovered his bloodline, and he became all that God had sent him here to become. And oftentimes, we're our own worst critic. We're our own opponent. Just like Rocky was telling Adonis, that guy that you're looking in the mirror, that girl that you're looking in the mirror, that's your worst or your biggest opponent. You have to get over yourself. You have to get over yourself. Adonis spent his whole life blaming his dad for his life and for his failures, not taking responsibility for his life. And it's understandable he grew up by himself. But until we take responsibility for our lives, we won't have any authority over our lives. Because what you don't take responsibility for, you don't have authority over. And so finally, Adonis started to take responsibility for his, for his own life, and everything started to change. Everything started to change when he stopped blaming his dad for everything. And we as Christians, we're, we, we, we like to blame the devil for everything. We don't ever take responsibility for ourselves. When stuff isn't going right, we call it the devil. Instead of looking at ourselves, instead of getting up a little bit earlier and saying, God, give me some peace because I need to take responsibility for the way I'm feeling right now. Because the truth is, everybody has a purpose, everybody has a plan, everybody has an assignment in this life that is ordained by God. But unless you discover your bloodline, you're never going to know what that is. Jeremiah 1, 5 to 7, God comes to Jeremiah, he's just a young teenager, and he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Did you know God knew you before he formed you? He thought about you. He thought about your smile. He thought about the way you were going to look. He thought about the way you were going to walk. He thought about all of these things. The Bible says he laid out every day ahead of you. In Psalm 139, it says he knit you together in the womb in a secret place. He's thinking about you. He thought about your life. He has it all planned out for us. He has a plan for you. But it's up to us to just discover our bloodline. And then he says, before you were born, I sanctified you. That means he set you apart, specifically you, apart. And he says, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. In other words, he gave you an assignment, I believe, to change your world. And if we want to change the world, we got to change our world. If we all change our world, we'll change the world. So God has an assignment. He has a purpose. He has a plan for all of us. But it's up to us to discover our bloodline. So then we go into the next phase. And Adonis, he knew he had a father, but he was reluctant to step into that name, which was Creed. He'd always been Adonis Johnson, but, his, but he, was, he, was, he was reluctant to step into Creed because he didn't know who his father was. 
Then he kind of got to know him through Rocky and through uh, Apollo's wife, who was his kind of stepmom. So he started to understand who his dad really was. He started to understand his bloodline. He started to realize that he had the blood of a champion on the inside of him. And so he wanted to transition, but he was a little bit afraid. Let's check out this scene. What are you afraid of? I'm afraid of taking on the name and losing. Call me a fraud. You're still caught in the shadow. Every move that I make, every punch that I throw, everything's gonna be compared to him. You are Apollo Creed's son, so use the name. It's yours. This kid's being no way, he's never faced nobody. You don't know nothing about me. You are false Creed. You do this, you're going into a storm. You can see his confusion. How bad do you want to watch the movie right now? Pretty bad. <laughs> you can see his confusion where he sees Creed on the front, but he still has Johnson on the back. And, and he wants to transition. He wants to move into the promise. He wants to move into the greatness. He wants to realize that he's got the blood of a champion, but he's scared. And Bianca, his girlfriend, asked him, what are you scared of? And he said he's scared that he might fail that he might rip, misrepresent his father's name, that people would call him a fraud. And then you see that, that the, the, the heavyweight champ looked at him and said, you're a false creed. You ain't a real creed. You're a false creed. And so he was confused on should he step into this name, but he was excited about it. And isn't that like the devil always pointing to our past, always pointing to our mistakes and our sins to keep us from our greatness, from where we're called to be, to keep us from accessing our bloodline. So we don't let people know we're Christians because we don't want to be called a hypocrite. We don't, let, we don't let the name of Jesus on the front of our shorts because we don't want to be called a fraud. I remember back in the day, I wouldn't even put a fish on my car in case I cut somebody off. Or even worse, what if I flipped somebody off? And I said, no, you're a Christian, you're a hypocrite. I mean, I've been called a hypocrite before. The very definition of becoming a Christian is you admitting that you can't do it by yourself. So we're, so we're so scared of what people are going to say and what they're going to call us that we're going to misrepresent the name that we're scared to fully step into it. And so we're, we're going to heaven when we die, but we're not bringing heaven to earth when we're here. Because we got one foot in and we got one foot out. Adonis Johnson was the name he grew up with. He took his mother's last name, but when he realized he had the blood of a champion, he could not stay the same. 
He could not stay the same. And then the line of the whole trailer, when Bianca, his girlfriend, tells him, you are Apollo Creed's son, so use the name. It's yours. It's yours. And as soon as he starts using the name Creed in the movie, you'll find that all of a sudden doors open and opportunities open that he didn't earn. He got that title fight because he started to use the name Creed. And all of a sudden, people all over the world started to notice there is a Creed that's alive and well, and he's a fighter, and he knows who he is. As soon as he used the name Creed, his life got better. His life started to elevate. He started to get opportunities that he didn't earn. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Did you know this? Did you know that the day that you get saved, the day that you get born again, you're given a name? You're given a name, Jesus. The name is above every name, and he says, use it. I've given it to you. You are a son or a daughter of God. Use the name. Use the name. Don't be afraid of it. It's his reputation, not yours. We're so scared. What if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't work? But what if it does work? What if it does work? And you, you're able to impact people because of the name of Jesus. As soon as you start using the name Jesus, radical things will start to happen. Mark 16, 17, and 18 says, And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. In my name, they will speak with new tongues. In my name, they will take up serpents. In my name, if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. In my name, if they lay hands on the sick, they will recover. You want to get radical? Start using the name of Jesus. Start finding out what your bloodline is and using it because it is yours to use. Luke 7, 28 says, for I, for I say to you, among those born of women, there is none greater than the prophet or the greatest prophet than John the Baptist. But he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than the greatest prophet up until that moment. You know what John the Baptist didn't have? He didn't have the name. You got the name. So even the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist for one reason is because you got the name. He didn't have the name. He didn't have the authority that you have. You have the name, the greatest name above every name. When you have the name of Jesus, all of a sudden you can speak to those demons that are trying to obstruct your business and tell them to leave. All of a sudden, you can speak to those spirits that are trying to lie to you about your past, keeping you from your greatness, and tell them to leave. All of a sudden, you realize that they can't keep you sick. They can't keep you depressed. They don't have the right to lie to you about suicide and suicidal thoughts. When you have the name and you use the name, demons have to leave. Demons have to leave. Peter and John, remember the story. They walk up to the gate beautiful, and there's a crippled man there crippled for 40 plus years and they say in the name of Jesus and he gets up and then all of the people are freaking out he walks into the temple he's jumping around the people they start almost bowing to Peter and John saying are you gods are you gods and he says we aren't gods you know what healed this man faith in the name faith in the name of Jesus healed that man and the name was so powerful that they didn't have an answer for it. So in Acts 4, they tried to forbid them to use the name of Jesus. They said, you cannot teach the name of Jesus anymore because it was so radical. It was so powerful, the name of Jesus. And of course, Peter and John said, I ain't listening to you. I'm listening to God. We're speaking in the name of Jesus. And they continued to turn the world upside down. What's interesting about Adonis is when he finally accepted his father's name, he was given those American flag shorts. Remember that? 
they said Creed on the front, but they still said Johnson on the back. It was like he was ready to represent Creed, but he wanted to hold on to his past. There was security in his past. There was familiarity in his past. He wanted to step in, but there was a transition. There was a transition happening, and I found a lot of times there is a transition when you finally realize who you are and you realize the name that you carry, there's a transition period. It's hard to let go of who you were. When you get saved, you don't forget who you were. Jesus forgets your sins, but you don't forget who you were. So it's a big step of faith to step in and go all in with Jesus. Genesis 32, 28 to 30, Jacob, who was Abraham's son, was promised, just like Abraham, that he was going to have descendants as many as the sand in the seashore, but there was a transition that had to happen. There was a name change that had to happen. There was a struggle that had to happen. So Jacob fought with God, and he, and he prevailed, and then God says this. God said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, which means deceiver, but Israel, which means prince with God. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask me about my name? And he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of that place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. And so Jacob fights with God, and, 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 God, and Jacob would not let God go until he blessed him. Until he blessed him. So during the fight, during the struggle, God pokes his hip. And so now Jacob has a limp. Jacob has a limp, and he's walking around with a limp. It was a mark that signified a transition from Jacob to Israel, from his old life to his new life. So Jacob was willing to go through a struggle to get to the promise. So often, we aren't willing to go through the struggle to get to the promise. So we let go of the struggle. We let go of the name. We disregard our bloodline, and so we never get to the promise because there's a struggle. Sometimes you got to fight. Sometimes you got to fight. I believe God's looking for people who know how to fight. So when the devil, so when he gives you stuff and the devil comes and tries to steal it, you know how to fight. You know how to fight. There's, there's usually a struggle. There's usually a fight to give up your old name and step into the new one. And isn't it interesting that as soon as God changes Jacob's name to Israel, the Bible immediately goes back and calls him Jacob. Sometimes God will give you a promise, he'll give you a dream, but you would not have stepped into the blessing yet. So he'll give you a mark, he'll give you a limp to remind you that he's already blessed you, but that you're just in transition. That you're on your way to the promise, you're on your way to the blessing. For you, it might be a word. You may have got a word. I know who I'm called to be. Maybe it's a dream, maybe it's a vision, maybe it's a limp. For, for Creed, it was shorts. It was his shorts that marked the transition that marked the transition from Johnson to Creed. He knew he had the blood of a champion. He knew he was on his way. And those shorts were that mark that showed him that reminded him he was in transition. He was in transition. The third thing is true champion, true champion. We won't become the true champion that God has called us to be unless we go all in. Unless we go two feet in. In Creed 2, uh, Adonis became the true champion. He won the belt in the beginning of Creed 2, but if you watch the movie, he had on the shorts that said Creed and Johnson. And he fought an old, 
a, a champion that was old that wasn't the true champion. But until his last fight, until he fought Victor Drago from Russia, he wasn't the true champion. I want you to watch this clip, and I want you to watch the back of his shorts when he goes down in the fight. Now here we go with round 10 of what has become a war of attrition. Drago seemingly ahead on the scorecards, but Clean refusing to back down. good is that? John 1, 12 to 13 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. In his name. I'm not sure if you caught that, but his shorts only said Creed on the front. It did not say Johnson on the back. He was all in. He was Adonis Creed. There was no plan B. There was no fallback. There was no holding on to the past. He was Adonis Creed and he became the true champion. I love it because the announcer is like, what a wild turn of events. <laughs> he didn't know what was happening. He just said there was a wild turn of events. And I'm telling you, when you step into the kingdom, into the ring of the kingdom of God, and you start to use his name, it gets wild. It gets wild. When there is no plan B, when there is no fallback plan, it's wild. It's wild. All of a sudden, crazy things start to happen. Your life starts to be elevated. Greatness comes out of you when you go all in, when you only have Jesus on the front and nothing on the back. Victor Drago put Creed in the hospital in their first fight. He almost killed him, just like, just like his father killed Apollo. He almost killed him in the first fight. He was out. But he got up again. In the fight we just saw, he was knocked down multiple times, but he kept getting up. 
and I believe he kept getting up because he believed in his name. He believed he had the blood of a champion. He had no choice but to get up. He was a creed. He was a champion. You're a champion. You have the name that is above every name. I'll never forget it five years ago. Five years ago, I had a, uh, a back issue. And I had to get an MRI, and it, they said I had a bulging disc in my back, and I had sciatica down my, the right side of my leg. I was in excruciating pain. What you may not know is years before that, I felt God speak to me, and because I'm in real estate, he said, I want you to be a power broker. In real estate, you bring, as a broker, you bring a buyer and a seller together, together for a transaction. He said, I want you to be a power broker. I want you to bring heaven to earth for a transaction. I want you to move in power ministry. And so all of a sudden I had this vision of greatness and I believed in the name. I believed there was no greater name than the name of Jesus and then I got a bulging disc in my back. After I'd already been healed of kidney failure years ago, some of you might not know that story. But I had a bulging disc in my back, excruciating pain. Pastor Morgan knows about this pain. And I remember I had to get up two to three hours before I had to leave to warm my back up because I couldn't sit in a car. And at that same time, I had committed to doing a 40-day liquid fast because I wanted to get to know God better. I wanted more power. And so I wasn't willing to give up my 40-day fast even for this pain. It was brutal. I would take my wife out on a date and I'd stand up next to her sipping soup because I couldn't sit down. She loved this part of my, our time together. I used to have to stand up there in the, in the sound booth for six months because I couldn't sit through a service. And so I would have to warm up for two hours and as I'd get in my car, I'll never forget multiple times, I'd drop my kids off at school and if there was, this was pre-COVID so there was traffic. And so I was, I was coming back and I'd, I'd hit traffic. And sometimes I'd have to be in my car for 30 minutes and literally I could only stand it for about five to 10 if I was warmed up and you know, Tylenoled up and everything. And so I, I remember sitting in my car on the 52, and I remember having it out with God. God, I thought the name of Jesus was the greatest name. I thought everything had to bow to the name of Jesus. I've had Pastor Jurgen pray for me. I've had Andy Kabbalah pray for me. I've had this probably this whole front row pray for me. I prayed for myself, and nothing is moving. Nothing is changing. And I would literally cuss at God. I thought I was a power broker. God, you gave me the promise. And I'm sitting back there. I'm standing back there because I can't even sit down. One time we were in the DNA room, the youth room. We were having a DNA healing class. Quacha was teaching at it. And I was teaching that part of it, teaching people how to get other people healed while I can barely walk. So I call up all the people that are in pain and, and all the people are standing in the front. And this gentleman right there, he was in the red. He just stood out to me. So I said, hey, gentlemen, come on up. And I said, what's the problem? And he said, I have a disc in my back that is messed up and I have sciatica down my right side. And I was like, yeah, that's funny, God. So I pray for this guy while I'm suffering for the exact same thing. He goes out on the power of God, gets up, completely healed. 
He's moving around like this. He's doing all this stuff. And I'm just looking at him going, are you kidding me? But then I was like, hey, whatever you sow, you reap. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm gonna get up in the, in the morning and I'm gonna be healed, praise God. This is gonna be amazing. And I get up in the morning and I'm in pain. I slept in our living room for four months, five months. I was always like hoping that my wife would invite me to stay in the room for a few minutes before I went to my bed in the dining room. So right in the middle of that, we go on a vacation. We go on a vacation. My mom and my dad take us all, all of us kids and our, and our kids on this vacation to Hawaii. And I'm on a plane for six hours and I, I have to walk around the plane because I can't sit down for that long. I'm getting better at this point. This is five months in. And uh, we get to Hawaii and I'm like, finally, you know, we get out of this, 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 this mess. I needed a break. The second day we're there, I get vertigo. And, and I've, had, I've had vertigo before previously. I had it previously, but I didn't have it this bad. I was running into walls. I was having to hold, hold things as I was walking. The only time I felt normal was when I was in the water and the water going in and going out was like tricking my brain. It was the weirdest thing. But I, but I, was, I was tripping, I was so upset. And again, I'm thinking to myself, man, I can't even get myself healed. How am I supposed to pray for other people? And I was looking on YouTube because when you have vertigo, they do this little thing, this little maneuver with your head and they turn it around and tilt it and all this kind of stuff. And so I was looking on YouTube, how do I do this? I need to get rid of this thing. So I had my brother-in-law do the maneuver and it didn't work, probably made it worse. So anyways, I get back home and I, to be honest, started questioning, God, is this really my ministry? Is this the thing that you've called me to do? Is this really who I am? I mean, I was knocked down for six months, but I, but I had faith in the name. And Cy Rogers, one time when, during that season, when I was standing back there, he was preaching a message and he said, sometimes God will heal you in ways that you don't expect. And I really think that, I don't know why I never got healed. I don't know why it took even uh, after I started to feel better another probably year before I was 100%. I don't know why that happened, but I know this, it tested me. I know that there was a struggle. I know that I had to fight. And I believe God was looking down at me and saying, even if things aren't going well for you, are you still willing to fight? Are you still willing to get up again? Are you gonna stay in the hospital? Are you gonna stay on the ground? Are you gonna get up again? Because on the other side of you becoming a true champion, there are lives at stake. If I would've stayed in the hospital, if I would've stayed on the ground, then a five-year-old boy wouldn't have got healed of cancer. A gentleman wouldn't have got healed of diabetes. Multiple people wouldn't have got healed of sciatica, cancer. If I would have stayed down, here's the problem with having faith in the name. All of a sudden you have a responsibility. Once you become awake, now you have a responsibility to awaken other people. You no longer can stay on the ground. So I like that image of Creed, because he's hitting the ground. And he's saying, I know who I am. I'm a Creed. I'm a champion. I can't stay down, because I'm a champion. So when you get up in the morning and you see the news and it says, threats of another lockdown. We're gonna have to close your business. We're gonna have to close your church. We're gonna have to stay in our homes. Countries all around the world, people can't even leave their homes. They get tracked only to get food. 
And you can wake up and you can be like, oh my gosh, I got knocked down so many times in 2020. Do I really have to get up again? Let me just tell you, once you get awake, you have to get up again. Once you become a true champion, you gotta get up again. Because you have the blood of a champion on the inside of you. God is watching you. San Diego needs you. America needs you. We gotta stand up. We gotta get back up again. We don't have a choice because we know who our name is. Come on, say Jesus. Say Jesus. Stay standing. I want to pray for you. John 6, 66 to 68. This is my last scripture, and then we got to go. Jesus has all his disciples, and they've all come towards him. And they start to leave him because they don't believe, the Bible says. So they start to leave. And then he goes to his 12, and he says, do you guys want to leave too? And, and Simon Peter answers Jesus, and he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. There's nowhere else to go. Once you put two feet in and you have Jesus on the front of your shorts and nothing on the back, there's nowhere else to go. This is the revelation that I got when I was sick. I've already made a commitment. This is going to be my life. Jesus is the name I'm going to worship. He's the name I'm going to declare. He's the identity that I'm going to walk in. There's nowhere else for me to go. Let me tell you, you become dangerous when there's nowhere else to go. You become dangerous. It's like Adonis Creed in that last round. And the announcer said, Adonis knows he can't go around Victor. The only way to win is to go through him. Sometimes you just got to go through. You just got to walk through. You just got to keep on going. And sometimes you got to do it by yourself. You got to make the decision to fight. You got to make the decision to get up. You can have us cheering you on from the corner, but you got to make that decision. You got to decide on that ground, I'm going to get back up and I'm going to continue to fight because I have the blood of a champion on the inside of me. Amen. Close your eyes for just a second. There's some of you that right now, right here, right now, and you've never given your life to Jesus, but you want to go all in right now. Some of you have gone all in before, but you've taken your life back, but you want to go back. You want to go all in again. If that's you, you're one of those two people, lift your hand. I want to pray for you. You want to accept Jesus today, or you want to rededicate, and you want to go all in. You want to get back up. God bless you. I see that hand. Thank you. God bless you over there. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Thank you over here to my left. Thank you. Thank you, both of you. Thank you. I see you in the front. Thank you over here. Thank you. We don't have a choice. Thank you in the middle. Thank you up there in the back top. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Once I see your hand, you can put it down. Is there anybody else? Proud of you guys, a lot of you, a lot of you lifted your hand. I know I'm a little bit over, but I want to do something. I feel like we just watched Creed, 
I feel like we're all fired up. I wanna ask those of you that lifted your hand to do something for me. You gotta do it. You don't have to do it, but you can do it. And we're all gonna cheer you on. But I wanna ask if you would come down to the front this afternoon and let me pray for you in person. If you lifted your hand, would you come down to the front so I can shake your hand, so I can pray with you? Come on, we'll cheer you on, but you gotta come. time, why don't we give it up for these people? I'm so proud of you guys for getting out of your seat and coming forward, and there's nothing wrong with staying in your seat, but when you kind of take that first step, things just shift. Things just shift, and it's my honor to pray with you, pray with you this morning. We're all going to pray, and uh, I want you guys to repeat after me. And just say these words. Everybody in the building is going to say them, but I want you guys to say them for sure. Just say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for my sins. Jesus, I thank you for going all in for me. Lord Jesus, today I invite you into my life, and I believe that you rose from the dead. This morning I, I declare that I am saved, that heaven is my home, and that God is my Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.